We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast on the, proudly excuse me, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am here, as always, with my co-host Rohan Kadi, who predicted the future in the Bucks starts here on Monday, but also, importantly, here with the one, the only, Cranjus Miss McBasketball. I mispronounced it on the intro, on site, but that's okay. We'll work through it. Um, founder of B-Ball Index, host of the B-Ball Index podcast on the glorious Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're here to talk about all sorts of numbers, but first, Rohan, quickly, I think we need to talk about the number one best number of all time, and that is 51. Do you want to explain the significance uh, as if anyone listening really needs the explanation? Well, yeah, if no one knows what we're talking about, I'm confused, but also I'll explain to you that Chris Middleton with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo out against the Wizards with shoulder soreness uh, managed to score 51 points, a career high against the Wizards. And Eric Bledsoe also had 34 points, but mainly Chris Middleton had 51 points. What was his previous career high? 44? Yes. Without looking, yes. I can't remember off top, but it certainly wasn't 51. No, but it now is 51 because he went off. At halftime, he had 28 points. It was just, it was magical in every sense of the experience. It was. It was truly awesome. And I know this was, he also had six, he have six rebounds or six assists? <laughs> 10 rebounds, six assists. That's what it was. So only the third buck ever to have 10, 50 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, the first two, Kareem and Giannis. So Kareem, Giannis, and Chris, a good group of three for sure. These are all good numbers. Well, I guess let's let's make sure here. Let's talk to the expert. Cranjus, is fifty one points a good number? Uh, we just we need to know to start. <laughs> let me let me pull up my TI eighty four. Yep, yep. I, I can confirm. That's a pretty good number. Awesome. So I know uh, you guys. I mean, I guess just to start here, to kind of bring these things together. Do you want to give anyone who's not aware? sort of a quick rundown of, of what you guys at, at B-Ball Index do and, and some of the really, really cool applications, uh, the basketball stats you guys cook up have. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say over at B-Ball Index, we have three or four major types of data that we like to use. One of them is our talent grades, which instead of being some fancy acronym or, or I don't know, just something you, you don't, can't really tell what it is, pretty straightforward they're just categories like perimeter shooting or finishing or playmaking perimeter defense things like that and 
what we try to do with these talent grades is analyze a player's talent in a, one of those specific areas and do the best we can to neutralize contextual factors around them. So like if you're a Utah Jazz guard and you've got Rudy Gobert standing behind you, your normal defensive stats might look a lot better than they probably would in a neutral team environment. So we adjust for things like that or things like lineup mm. spacing or trying to account for how good the coaching staff is that's leading the charge. Um, so we'll have a lot of fun with those. We'll get into those in a second, but we have percentile ra- ratings for each player that shows the percentage of the NBA they, they're better at than whatever the specific thing is. And then along with each of those, we have a letter grade. So it looks like a report card, um, which makes it pretty easy to understand. This is something I used years ago with uh, the college coaches on the team I worked for and figured, hey, if, if they can understand it, I'm sure the fans can understand it. Um, so we have that. We have our player impact plus minus stat, which is like if you're familiar with like box plus minus or ESPN's real plus minus, it's a plus minus stat that looks to measure player impact. Um, so there's 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 the name for you. And it looks at a player's box store box score contributions. It looks at how well their team plays with them on the court. And it does this one critical thing called adjusting for luck. And uh, I guess I'll tell a very short anecdote around luck adjustments. So people like to use on-off data. A couple years ago, uh, Kawhi Leonard, who we know is a very good defensive player, had a negative on-off when he played for the Spurs. So it's based off of that number, it said that the Spurs were better defensively with him off the court. And people were very confused, you know, lit things on fire, wrote 5,000 uh, word blog post trying to figure out figure this out and if you just try to adjust for the luck in the data opponents were shooting an incredibly high percentage of uh, an incredibly high percentage from the free throw line when he was on the court versus when he was off the court which is something that is not under his control that's completely just random luck if you adjust for that and then you also look at three-point shooting which we have a lot of research showing that individuals, can't really control what the entire opposing team does from a lineup standpoint with uh, defending three-point shooting. If you pretty much regress both of those back to what we would expect for those same players to shoot for the whole season, Kawhi was a very, very good defensive player. So he was seven points per 100 possessions uh, worse in the raw data than he was in the luck-adjusted data. So it looks at some things that are beyond a player's control, tries to adjust for them, and uh, you guys should be looking at this quite a bit because we've got Giannis first in this rating uh Chris Middleton 10th Dante DiVincenzo 16th and then Brooke Lopez who uh, I think more people need to give some credit for uh for defensive player of the year you know recognition is second in our defensive uh, player impact plus minus so this is showing that when when he's on the court he's having the second highest impact uh among all NBA players defensively that that's awesome stuff. Giannis is third in that, right? Yep. Uh, Giannis, I believe, is first. It may have updated. He may not be first anymore. Oh, and overall, I, I've been. And is that overall or defensive? Uh, that is overall. Let me pull okay, up okay. defensive. He's probably. I think he was third or fourth. Uh, gotcha. Defensive, and then I think he was third or fourth offensive. Um, I think this Rudy is... Gobert's first defensive. Uh, yeah. Luca's Luca and James Harden are first and second offensive. Okay, and so for for people, I, th- I think so. It's player impact plus minus, but I think commonly referred to as PIPM, right? Uh, PIPM. I don't. Am I the only idiot who says PIPM in my you head? Say, you say PIPM. I don't. I mean, I don't say it out loud that often. I don't know. I. That's. This is the first I'm hearing of it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's there's at least one guy out there, me, who says Pippum uh, to myself in my head. I don't know. I think it sounds nice. But, okay, so that's that's what we're working with here, or what you guys are working with there. Terrific uh, insight. And I know uh, in our Discord, people people are just very excited about this episode in general. Uh, they're very excited to hear from from you, Kranjus. And they're, they, I think Pippum is like the most, especially if you talk about defensive uh, player impact plus minus. I'll, I'll, I'll stop making a fool of myself. It's like the most regarded defensive impact stat, I would say, because I think it's very, very hard to boil down defense to one number, especially. But I think, you know, when you look at it, it probably comes just about the closest. Real plus minus has gotten very wonky, in my opinion, this year. But um, anyway, so we, we mentioned Chris Middleton at the Open. It only feels right then to lead off with him. You know, what is, uh, we're talking report cards here. 
What is uh what kind of grades is Chris Middleton getting so far this semester or this season? <laughs> he's he's having a pretty good year and he's actually having the best year in our database so far. And, and our oh. database only goes back to the 2013-2014 season, just based off of data availability with the uh, player tracking stuff. But in our, I believe we have 11 different talent grades. He has an A or an A minus in six of them, and he has a B in four of them, and he has one C plus in offensive rebounding. Uh, some of the oh. highlights would be his A perimeter shooting, his A playmaking. He has an A in post play, which... I don't know. Um, <laughs> a minus in off ball movement, which is like uh, this. This encapsulate, encapsulates cutting, but it also encapsulates scoring off of off ball screens. So like JJ Redick, Kyle Korver, Joe Harris types of stuff. Um, he has an A minus one on one grade, and he also has an A minus defensive rebounding grade. So those are some of the highlights. Pretty much everything else is a B, other than offensive rebounding. Um, I guess I will say that for guards and, and wings, the Post play can can be a little wonky sometimes just because it's on lower volume. But Chris Middleton in his career has uh, had a B plus career average for post play, so he's generally been pretty strong there. And maybe I just don't watch enough Bucks basketball to know that that's a place he's he's really strong. And that's not just back to the basket scoring; that's also how active you are um, at getting putbacks as well. Yeah, I think a lot of that post play sort of comes from his little. Uh, uh, how would you describe it, Ty? It's just, uh, you know, backing him down on the block and hitting a turnaround jumper. Yeah, fadeaway turnaround stuff. He Chris Middleton will eat alive any small player who if ends up defending him. any player smaller than him is matched up against him, he feels like it's disrespectful, and he just decides to score on them. Yeah, Eric Name of The Athletic has a really long thread. or It's not even really a thread. He just he has a, a tweet that he always quote tweets that's like when Chris Middleton sees a, a smaller player in the post, he just you know he's going to shoot it and make it. And you'll just see him quote tweet it like eight times a game with whatever poor guy. I mean, Troy Brown, I know, got it a few times last night. Uh, a few other wizards. I mean, it's just he's that, that's become much more of a go-to for him. And it's been it's interesting to see that the the numbers really bear out that he's been offensively from literally everywhere on the floor. And, and in terms of ball moving, ball movement too, he's been that effective because it has felt like that watching him this season. It really does feel like everything he tries to do, he's very, very capable of doing. Um, it's just, you know, his volume isn't always the highest. Obviously, last night, a huge exception there. And he just hasn't necessarily always gotten the reps. But, I mean, something we've championed for a long time on the podcast is Chris can do all of these things, he should probably be asked to do that more. And I don't know, uh, there's probably no metric to, you know, extrapolate to X touches cleanly. I mean, of course, there's so much more that goes into that. But it is kind of comforting to know that, you know, based on what he's done so far, he has done everything really, really well all year long. Absolutely. And and when we look at these talent ratings and we, uh, we have overall ratings now, which a couple of years ago, we tried to come up with these and it was really clunky and because everybody has a different role. Players play different positions, and even among point guards, you have different kinds of guys. So it's it's tough to say, all right, you know what? Perimeter shooting should be weighed this much, and, and cutting should be, or uh, finishing should be weighed this much. So what we did was we ran our seven years of data through a machine learning model, and we're able to figure out uh, almost an, it's an overall talent grade, essentially, that accounts for what type of offensive role you have. Um, so different positions use different things more or less. And Chris Middleton uh, ends up being in the 92nd percentile in the NBA offensively, just in terms of overall raw talent, according to our math. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. So I guess I want to go back for a second. You said, I think you said he had had the best year in the, the model so far. Is that, did I miss here? For him. Oh, for him. For him. oh like gotcha. his best gotcha. year in his career. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a second, I was like, is Chris Middleton having the best NBA season of all time? I'm here for it. But it seems like one of his teammates is probably going to rate a little bit better in a whole lot of things. Yeah, yeah. There, we, can, we can talk uh, <laughs> best of all time in, in 30 seconds or so when we, when we get to MVP candidate Giannis. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's a good enough tease. I think everybody's really ready now. Let's... Uh, how is how is Giannis in general grading out in uh, in these different areas? I'm guessing perimeter shooting. I'm gonna guess is probably his lowest without thinking real hard about it. 
You would be right. Uh, perimeter shooting, and he actually has a B in perimeter shooting, Ooh. which is quite high. Let me check. So one thing that I like to caution people about is uh, filtering these grades appropriately. So what I mean by that is his B is versus every single player that's played in our database. If we look at Giannis versus what position would we like to categorize him as? Uh, as a four. Yeah, four or forward, I guess. So how about this? We can do one through five. We can do guards, wings, bigs. Um, or we can try to go to a specific offensive role. Uh, for the offensive role, is like point forward on there. Uh, let me see what he is categorized as. He is a tall creator, which is oh, uh, basically pretty much that. a point forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So tall creator. I'm going to look at tall creators who've played at least 1,000 minutes in our database. So there's 75 of them. He has a C perimeter shooting after that. Okay. Um, but still cleans up across the board pretty much everywhere else. Oh, that's interesting. So compared to that group, that pretty specific, like you mentioned there, uh, uh, group of players, you know, how, how do the rest of his skills grade out? So he, and, and let me let me add some more context. The other players who are tall creators in our database are guys like um, Ben Simmons has been in there, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant. Uh, let me see. Lots of Giannis years. Uh, Russell Westbrook had a year or two in there. Um, let me see. Melo's in there, Rudy Gay. So that's, that's a kind of a sense of the comparison group. So compared to that specific group of players, he has a C perimeter shooting. He has C-plus grades in off-ball movement and one-on-one scoring, which makes sense because I think of any of the uh, offensive roles, these tall creators are often some of the most talented individual isolation-type scores. Um, Mm -hmm. And Giannis has a bit of that, but there may be some guys that are more refined. Where Giannis is very refined, where he's in the 99.9th percentile in this group, is his finishing. Um, His roll gravity, he also has an A. His playmaking is an A, his interior defense is an A, and both of his rebounding metrics are an A. Um, perimeter defense is a B, and his post play is a C minus. Hmm. Oh, that's actually very interesting. Could the uh, isolation scoring be sort of like a uh, because that he's not really doing a lot of isolation possessions because he's usually just getting double triple teamed? That could be a component of it with the with the way that we calculate it. Yes. Um, Although I will say in general, we've done all we can to try to mitigate the degree to which volume um, equals success. Uh, And and we still have a lot of these set up in a way that if you're just a very small volume guy, it'll kind of regress you down. Um, But once you meet a certain threshold, it it doesn't really reward somebody who's done something way more uh, at something all that much more than, than someone else. It's really looking at how efficient you are and then those contextual factors. Well, and I think, I mean, if you, given the position group, like Giannis is, I'll say good uh, by his standards at, at isolating. I think a lot of times he'll get himself into trouble by kind of getting a little bit of tunnel vision on a lot of his one-on-one drives. I mean, like he's still good, clearly. I mean, he's Giannis. He's pretty much good at everything at this point. But I mean, compared to, I mean, like you said, Cranj this year, your KDs, your LeBrons, your Jimmy Butlers, guys like that, I mean, Kawhi, who are like surgeons attacking in isolation. You can see how he could end up grading at merely around average in that particular thing as opposed to those guys. I mean, it, it definitely makes sense to me, and it's one of those things that you hope going forward he kind of cleans up a little bit, but also, hey, maybe use him in some smarter ways at, at, based on all these other things he's good at. Yeah, and if you if we look at him, same filter of a thousand minutes played in the season versus everybody, or versus guards, or versus wings, or versus bigs, he has an A minus. So it's just that one very mm. specific group of like super elite players. Um, and I will I will say that of all of our eleven, we again we have eleven for whatever reason we have eleven of a lot of things. Um, our eleven <laughs> offensive roles. This is the most exclusive group. And they're the fewest players in this usage category every single year. Um, so it's it's a very, very elite group. And he still grades out as above average. And just murders everybody in finishing and role gravity and playmaking and the defensive stuff. So I, I wouldn't go to war with Cran just on Twitter about it. Because um, <laughs> Giannis is doing very, very well. Um, and he just, with the rise of his perimeter shooting, 
continued continuing throughout his career, I think we'll see that one-on-one play continue to refine as well as he gets more polish on it, as his shootings respected even more and more. Um, he's, I mean, just overall offensive talent. He's pretty much in a world of his own. I say, as I try to stall for time, as I look it up. Yeah. He's in the 95th percentile and the only guys really ahead of him are LeBron, uh, Carl Anthony Towns grays out is incredibly talented. Um, his team is just very poor. Um, Devin Booker, who is quite a negative on defense, grades out is very talented on offense. Um, Anthony Davis, Luka, uh, James Harden, uh, Nikola Jokic, but then Giannis is, is right in there with that pack. Interesting that Davis, is that this year or is that career? Uh, let me see, because that is this year. Wow, that's interesting to me that Davis grades out that high on the offensive end. I feel like kind of the general consensus with him is he's been so good defensively but actually hasn't had the greatest offensive season. I'm very interested by the fact that he would come out above Giannis on that end in, in this uh, in this metric. In, in a piece of this, too, is uh, the role that you're in really matters. So for AD, he is a versatile big. So the mm. things that are weighted more for success for him are – things that he's really, really good at. His one-on-one play is very good. His post play is very good. His offensive rebounding is very good. Um, whereas for Giannis, I'll, I'll list off some of the, as a tall creator, the top uh, weighted variables are playmaking, perimeter shooting, which is where he probably takes the biggest hit. Um, and then finishing, which he's elite at, post play, roll gravity, one-on-one scoring. Um, Oh, that's super interesting. The way the way that they're weighted like that, I don't disagree with doing it that way at all. I think it's more instructive, really, to because I mean, like, I think this is something that I I allude to when I complain about Harden a lot. Is like his thing on defense now is Harden pro Harden people, and and I will probably get people on Twitter after me for this. Go ahead, just aim it at Ty Windish. Don't don't blame Cranjus for this one. But like the the whole thing is right. Like, oh, he's such a good post defender, and my rebuttal is like, well, who cares? Who cares if your two or your three is a great post defender? That's not that helpful in 2020 to be stout in the post as, you know, whatever position you want to call Harden, one, two, three, whichever. None of those three things are like what you're looking for on the defensive end is not a stout body in the post. Like I get that it's useful and it's better than being a negative on the perimeter, but like I wouldn't say Harden is a good defender because he can do that. It seems less related to what he should be able to do given where he plays. So I, 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 cer- I certainly see the vision of, you know, saying players in this role need to be good at this. I mean, obviously different guys find different ways to excel, but it is, that is very interesting to me. And yeah, I think it's, it's more like, it's like starring in your role. Like I really yeah, appreciate it's the, the way I like to look at it at, is as um, like a Madden or a 2k overall rating where like, if you take your quarterback who might be like an overall 90 and you make him a running back, he's going to be like a 40 or a 50 or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the skill set, the, the baseline skill sets are still the same, but how effective, how, I don't know, I don't, maybe talent's not the right word, but how effective we expect that player to be depends on optimizing the role. And, and that's actually another thing that we look at is based off of the weightings of each of these, based off of the different roles and based off of each player's performance in each of those ratings, who is optimized really well with their role who isn't optimized well, because there are players who are quite talented, but they're just put in positions to not succeed because some of the things that the offensive role that they're in relies upon most are some of their biggest weaknesses. Whereas there are also players who, um, like Danny Green is a great example, um, or Brooke Lopez over the years has been a great example. They're asked to do very specific things offensively, and they're things that they're quite good at. If we If we try to make Danny Green... <laughs> dribble or, or or like do a whole bunch of other things he's just not not good at those um but he for his role is is a very very good player um and that's reflected in his talent grades he's an a minus perimeter shooting but then he has an f finishing an f playmaking um Ooh. and has pretty good defensive uh grades but that's a player that has a very niche role um and he's put into it so he's able to succeed and be very impactful so if uh, going back to PIPM, if you see someone who you're like, oh man, like that guy's really high, it's probably because they're in a, a really good role for them. PIPM isn't saying that Danny Green is the 20th most talented player in the world. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he's, for him in his role, based on his team makeup, he's the 20th most impactful. 
Um, and he may not be 20th, but that's just an example. So and then one last thing before I finish my rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, going back to the Harden interior defensive thing, his post-play defense has been very strong. Overall, defending the interior, he's at a C-. Ooh. And also, just like what you were saying, interior defense for guards is only about a little over 20% of the weighting that goes into their overall defensive grade. So you can be elite at defending the post, but that's only a small piece of interior defense overall, um, which has to do with defending the rim, like as a help defender, deterring shots, contesting shots. When you are contesting shots, having them not go in. Um, So it's a small piece of that. And then interior defense is just a small piece of defense as a whole for guards. So he may be elite at that, but it's not the most useful thing for him to be really good at defensively. No, that's actually, I just really appreciate how well this is set up. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of geeking out a little bit. It's awesome. No, it's really, really cool. It's, I feel like it's a lot of the way I think about basketball is, you know, like you said, you know, putting players in the right roles and everything. And I think that is the most useful way to put up, put it because basketball is not played in a vacuum. You know, it's not like if this guy were able to do this or in this role, like you have to look at what's been going on. I think, I mean, that's, Otherwise, you're just talking about hypotheticals in a lot of these cases. So I think it's really useful to, to put it that way. I'm disappointed to hear that the Bucks don't have five of the best 18 players in the league or whatever it is. I think they have five guys in the top, 18 to 20 of PIPM. Uh, Giannis, Chris, Dante is up there, Brooke Lopez, and, I, and I'm and i forgetting. Oh, Bledsoe, I think, is also very high up there. So, But I think it makes sense that you know a team that's been this good, that it feels like is very well optimized. Everyone is in a very good role. I mean... Bledsoe at times it seems kind of like oh maybe but then when when the Bucks are clicking he seems like he's in a great role as well so it, it makes sense that this stat would like all of those guys because you know they're doing the things that they're very good at and I've, clearly they're all doing pretty well for the level of team success that they've had. There is one guy that stands out uh, when I when I look through the role matching is uh, Brooke Lopez this year is in a pretty so he's a, a pick and pop big according Uh-oh. to math um, so the different the different big man positions are versatile bigs who are your your post up guys your roll and cut bigs like your uh dwight howard your javel mcgee's and then your pick and pop bigs and brooke lopez this season has a d plus perimeter shooting rating among players with a thousand minutes played he's just not shot so well yeah we uh no offense, we did not need that number to figure out that one. <laughs> he is, he is, there, there's a large opportunity cost for him being a pick and pop big. Um, his overall offensive rating, we would project based off of his grades to be an 81 and a half out of, out of 99. Um, this is kind of like a, with a 2K scale, um, 81 and a half out of 99 as a pick and pop big. If he were to be used as a roll and cut big, he would be an 89. So that is a mm. massive jump. He's a high minutes player. So there's a very large opportunity cost based off of the offensive role he's put in. And so that's for him specifically. If you look at the team level, you can try to make arguments and it may not be that way in this case, but you can try to make arguments that, all right, you know what, for the team, it's best if he's out there spacing the floor. Um, and that can certainly be valid, but specific to Brooke Lopez, specific to this year, he is not being used in a role that's that's setting him up to be his best self. Okay, that's where uh, Ty and I have sort of talked about when he is not necessarily being the greatest perimeter threat. Uh, we like Bud has put him in a lot of uh, post up roles. Like at least like if he's um, not hitting his shots, he can at least go get uh, baskets. And when like like he's in the low post, which is what he did for years and years, as everyone knows. Um, but yeah, that's just really interesting to see that when he's like he's just so bad as an offensive <laughs> floor spacer this year because it's like that's his major role. It's like you know pick and pop big. That's his main role in this offense. He's not going to be used as like a facilitator. He's not going to cut. I don't think he's physically capable of cutting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it's a it's a little upsetting. <laughs> no, it is. It's interesting. When what's really funny about sort of the Bucks and and the low bros in particular. Of course, they're both on the team. Robin, it feels like, plays a bit of a different role offensively. Like, he posts up more, I think, at least in terms of their respective volumes, than Brooke. And I would I would guess he shoots less. I, I would wonder, actually, despite them, you know, I mean, relieving each other in the same system, 
I wonder, does Robin have a, a different uh, player archetype? Or I forget the exact term. I'm sorry. Than than Brooke does. Yeah. So Robin is perfectly optimized. He he is in the best role for him, and that is as a versatile big, which was that back to the basket score that we talked about. Wow. Um, so for his skill set, he's doing exactly uh, what he should be doing. Hmm. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, like Ty, you were saying, it's just kind of weird to see like uh, prior to the season, we were trying to figure out how Robin Lopez would fit in, and they were talking about oh how he's going to be shooting threes a bunch. He's made less than twenty threes this season, if I'm correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just have completely different roles, even though they're sort of being interchanged for each other. You got Brooke, who's out here trying his best to space the floor, uh, and then you get Robin, who just comes in and immediately just starts throwing up hook shots, and they go in. It is. It's an interesting. It's like a. It's a very philosophical thing to think about, right? Because according to the data, if you used Brooke the same way you used Robin, like pick and roll finisher, back to the basket guy, it would make him a lot better. But what does that do then to a team where you know Giannis is the best player and he's on the floor with you in almost all of your minutes, whatever the percentage is? I would guess it's very high uh, for Brooke Lopez. I don't think he plays that many minutes without Giannis. You know, is that is that trade off worth it? What does that do to Giannis if if Brooke is in in the paint airspace? I think pretty obviously it's going to make it a little bit harder for him. But then, you know, if if Brooke isn't missing shots, do you gain anything by putting him out there? Or if he isn't making shots, excuse me, it, it's it's a very interesting thing. I think we're seeing the Bucks kind of tackle it in real time because he he really hasn't hit shots. Um, he's been below his poor average for the season in the month of January. I think he's like. 29% from three for the year, like 26% in January. It's not been good. Um, and I wonder, I mean, we saw at the end of the the Charlotte game, the Bucks rolled out a lineup of uh, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. And I do wonder if Bud's going to look at more of those Giannis at center lineups. And I, I feel like we have seen that this year. But just because of the fact that, like, if Brooke isn't hitting those threes, he's not going to offer you that much if you have him out on the perimeter on offense. But then, of course, the tricky side there is defensively, he's been so, so, so good, as you already mentioned, Granges. So a lot of very interesting questions and, I guess, concerns for the Bucks to answer. The nicest outcome would just be, oh, Brooks starts hitting 35% of his threes and, and you don't have to worry about it. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all this stuff. There's so many moving pieces that could go in so many different places around Giannis it's it's, that's up for Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks coaching staff to figure out how to best use everybody for the team as a whole Mm -hmm. and we do have some data if we want to look to those Giannis at the center position lineups oh we Um, do so we can use this is again using luck adjusted data Um, so it's making sure especially on small samples this is very very useful to try to tease out you know if a team makes an extra three pointer or two it can completely change just your raw uh net rating stats um but with the luck adjusted stats it it does a better job with that if we look at lineups with Giannis, but without either of the lopez's or bender um the bucks have been a plus 18.73 expected net rating over 476 possessions well can you tell us if that's good or not? <laughs> very, that is very, very good. <laughs> so I guess for a frame of reference here, since I think a lot of people who unfortunately don't have access to these numbers, and I, I want to plug it twice. I'll give you a spot at the end, but this, the your stats package is $5 a month? It is $5 a month, and I am being robbed because there are 28 spreadsheets in it, pretty much all of them interactive. We have three different uh gravity applications we can which we can talk about in a second um all of our player grade stuff all of the pipm stuff all of the lineup stuff there's a lot going on and pretty much everybody that buys it uh will message me and be like are you sure i only need to pay five dollars for this (laughs) um so i would i would definitely encourage checking it out just go to the b-ball index site and it's in our uh premium content section you can buy it just five bucks a month it's like a cup of coffee and you can just there's just countless insights that you can get from the data and it goes back until two th- the 2000 season for the pipm stuff or uh or i'm sorry it goes back until like the 70s i think for the pipm stuff oh wow um it goes back until 2000 for like the luck adjusted lineup stuff and it goes back until 2013 2014 for the player grades that is terrific i know what i'm going to be doing right after we wrap up here but 
Uh, what I was going with that before I, I tossed the oop there for the plug. Um, so plus 18.87, was it for the Giannis at center lineups? Yes. And actually for the Giannis just overall, uh, he's at a plus 16 or plus 17, essentially. So okay. him at the five, the Bucks have played like a better team with him at the five than just overall with him. That was basically my next question, but also how does that him at the five look compared to the Bucks starters who have basically uh, wrecked stuff most of the year? So Giannis, uh, Wes Matthews, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, and then Brooke Lopez. Asking on the fly here. This is this is a, a tough a, a tough ask. Probably could have included this okay. in the pre pod. No, no worries. What do you think? Do no you think worries today? because the uh, the the spreadsheets we have they you know. Just instant, instant insights. I'll, I'll let you answer first, and then I'll give you what Okay. Like. Yeah, Rohan, Rohan got to put me on the spot here. I would guess, I'm going to say I think the starters have been a little bit better because I think their net rating non-luck adjusted is around plus 18 as well, and it feels like other teams have been a little bit unseasonably warm when shooting against the Bucks, but I am very prepared to be wrong. Uh, I would, yeah. I'd say the opposite. I'd say that the honest at center lineups are probably better than the starters. But I think, mm. do we have an answer? We do have an answer. So, again, Giannis at center was plus 18.7. Giannis, uh, or I guess the starting lineup is a plus 19.2. Let's go. So just ever so slightly better. But I think, in fairness, I, I feel like those Giannis at center lineups are used in an entirely different context. I think... Usually against tougher opponents, maybe I, I don't know. I might be I might be grasping at straws there, but the starting lineup has played and wrecked a whole lot of bad teams, so that definitely helps on on that number. I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other based on that, but it is interesting that both of them have been very very good. When in the past, at least at least anecdotally slash based on the the normal net rating, it felt like especially two years ago and farther, Giannis at center lineups weren't the greatest. I think we've seen. A big time improvement there recently. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it, it comes with a lot of like just Giannis improving and like the players around him because just like you know, well, we all know that Giannis just improves year to year, and just like like obviously the lineups with him as the like focal point defensively and offensively are just going to be insane as he gets better and better, but like teammates getting better as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've made it this far. We're 35 minutes in. I need to ask about my favorite play of all time, Cranges. And I did give you a heads up here. I needed to ask about this. I've been championing, weird word, Chris Middleton, Giannis Adetokounmpo, pick and rolls, more of them for at least since last season. I think that's when it started, but it, it's only picked up lately and, and blissfully in something that I never expected to happen. I don't really think he listens, but Bud has listened to the Eurostep. We've seen more of this. It feels like it feels like we have, and especially in key moments, like the game got tight, the Charlotte game, and immediately the Bucks kind of instinctually ran a Christianus pick and roll, and they got a bucket, and and it helped put the game away. So, what what data can you offer me about this tantalizing play? I cannot give you a whole lot because I do not have second spectrum data, so I couldn't really tell you uh, pick and roll specific to those two guys. The The best I'd be able to do is tell you just for Chris pick and rolls or for Giannis pick and rolls, or I suppose I can look at... So who's running the pick and roll? Chris. Chris. Okay, I can look at the possession volume of Chris running it and then like dumping it off to Giannis. That, that works. That would probably be about the best I'd be able to do based on the data that I have available to me. That would be a whole lot of it. I mean, of course, sometimes that, like, we've seen, like, Eric Bledsoe's gotten free layups, and, and there's been some open threes generated when just a whole side of defense collapses on the play. But there is, I would say, most of the time, the ball does end up going from Chris to Giannis in those looks. Let me see if I can... I'm doing a bunch of filtering right now in, in uh, Synergy. Let's see. <laughs> and, I, I mean, just as talking while looking here, it, it seems like, to me anyway, just from a logical standpoint, I mean, the, the benefit of running Giannis in any sort of pick and roll is it kind of usually either, I mean, if the if whoever's guarding him just doesn't come, obviously then he gets a, a free chance to spring whoever he's screening for. If they do come, I think even just that split second, 
making it a more even footing between Giannis and the defender to the rim, as opposed to the defender just waiting concrete there, ready for Giannis. I feel like that gives him such an advantage and makes him such a dangerous finisher. And then, of course, you put the Bucks' other best player in the play. It, it just seems intuitively it would be good. Yeah, especially given that uh, Granges has already described how elite Giannis's role gravity is. So that yeah. only is going to be uh, amplified with Chris Middleton running the play. Absolutely. So the best I can get us is uh, Chris passing to Giannis for a role um, and apparently there have been 25 of those this year. Yeah, that sounds about points. right. Um, I can tell you, however, exactly what uh, Giannis's role gravity, or I'm sorry, not role gravity, rim gravity is. This is another mm. type of data we have at B-Ball Index where we look at spatial tracking data, which tells us exactly where players are when they're taking their shots. And we can look at efficiency and volume to try to calculate uh, and when we talk about gravity, think of like a Steph Curry running off of like a pin down. He has really high gravity, so he might end up with like two guys guarding him or extra help coming his way, which opens things up for his teammates. Giannis has the number one rim gravity in the entire oh. league right now. And it is his gravity plus is a 5.58 per game, which means he is 500%, about 550% higher than an average player's uh, rim gravity, which is just bonkers. <laughs> like, that is just an absolutely absurd number um, that just should not be possible. But he's so, just such a monster rolling to the rim and finishing at the rim. So as a way to contextualize that, that he draws five times the attention of a normal player when he rolls? Is that, that essentially is, what that means? In a way, So that's what we're trying to say, but we do not have defender tracking data. So I okay. cannot say that for, for sure, but that is the attempted goal of this. <laughs> that's such a wild thing to think about. Five times is a wild time. These numbers are just blowing my mind. Uh, but that's really how every honest number does work. Pretty much. And, and so you can see this for any player since 2013-2014 in the NBA, WNBA, or college basketball. Also oh, wow. on the site. Um, and you can also look at their year-to-year changes in, in stuff. So I can, let me pull up Giannis. And I'm just doing this all live, and it takes just a couple seconds. It's impressive. His rim gravity in 2013-2014 was a 1.2, so he was 20% higher than average. That jumped up to a 2.59, then to a 3.46, then a 4.53, <laughs> and then a 4.86 didn't quite jump as highly, and then a 5.63 last year and a 5.58 this year. So just such a rise from 2013-14 to now. Um, he's kind of plateaued since last year, but it's it's hard to go higher than like the best ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good. And his mid-range gravity has... It had been increasing. Um, it's dipped a little the past two years, I will say, although he is having a career-high uh, three-point gravity year right now. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I think that all makes intuitive sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it does. And especially, I think the mid-range gravity is going to come along because, Ty, like we've talked about how his mid-range is sort of coming along as the season progresses, especially like this last like month or so. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a lot of, uh, especially, I mean, I don't know if it's going to end up counting more as post than mid-range because he does a lot of it out of the post, it feels like. But he certainly added that sort of, that that middle level of scoring the basketball that's going to be huge for him going forward. Although he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't pull up as much as he kind of turns into it. But given his frame and his athleticism, it's it's kind of an unblockable shot, which helps, usually. Yeah, it's <laughs> it does help, usually. <laughs> So I've got I've got a player and a couple quick hitting questions I'd like to ask. But Rohan, is there anything else that you you want to get to while we have the the master of numbers, Kranjus um, here? Well, I mean, is there like we we've, we've talked about Hagianis? Like obviously he was the MVP last season, but we've talked about how he's been getting better year to year, and it's like how it's hard to improve on like being so high already. But how? How can you tell the listeners how Giannis is necessarily improving this season compared to last season? Sure. So let me pull up some more numbers and charts. Uh, So he still has room for growth as a player from a talent standpoint. I think he is just so elite at a number of things that it's just MVP caliber so impactful, but he still does not have A's across the board. 
even compared to all players, which is, you know, guys who play 20 minutes or four minutes a game or things like that. His perimeter shooting can continue to get better. His off-ball movement is only a B-plus right now compared to all players, so that can still get better. Um, he certainly has the ability to do that. I think some of this will come with, you know, more cutting from him. He doesn't quite have that off-screen shooting ability, so there's almost a ceiling on that off-ball movement grade. Um, his perimeter defense right now is a B compared to all players, so he can, he can be working on that. Um, but other than that, he's pretty much at or close to the best at, at so many different things. So it's, it's difficult for a guy like him to be more impactful than he currently is. Um, another piece of getting to that impact number, going from the talent grades to your actual impact, is coaching and scheme. And that is an area where I think there is still some potential for Giannis to be even further unlocked. Um, if you watched this past summer, Giannis playing on, on Team Greece, they did not do a really great job using no, him. He's still the same guy. He's still as talented, but they put him in poor positions to succeed. They did not optimize who he is as a player, and, and he struggled, and the team struggled because of that. If we look at all of the talent grades that we have for players and, and we compare that to their impact, we can aggregate that at the team level and then look at coaches over time and come up with coaching staff optimization ratings. So for coaching staffs oh. in five seasons since 2013-14, uh, led by Mike Budenholzer, his offensive optimization is better than 55% of coaches. So it's still good, still a little bit above average. I think this matches somewhat the eye test for me as an X's and O's guy. They do some good stuff but they could probably do more. And it, it almost seems as though their approach has been like, the simpler it is, the easier it is, we're just going to out-talent you, which can work. But you can do small, simple things schematically to give yourself even more of an advantage. And I think this comes out particularly in the playoffs where I was losing my mind last year uh, in, the, in the series against Toronto um, with some of the adjustments that Toronto was making defensively that should be really easy to beat but the Bucks coaching staff couldn't figure out how to beat them. So it was same talented, same talented roster, but they weren't able to take advantage. On the defensive end, I'll say before we before you guys comment, Budenholzer <laughs> was in the uh, 87th percentile for defensive optimization. So he has been very strong with that pretty much over his entire career as a coach. I just want to say to all the listeners, it's not just me and Ty, okay? We, <laughs> we yeah, are not alone a, in just getting very frustrated with the Bucks' lack of diversity on the offensive end. <laughs> just no, want, so just that's actually, that. so I know you were, those numbers were over the last half decade. Is there any, any way or any utility in even trying to compare this year to last year, that offensive coaching grade, so to speak, for Bud? Because it, one of the things we've been looking for is more of that, at least if not even getting more complicated necessarily, like doing more different things, mixing it up more. And this year it has felt like at least we've seen some more different things, some more deviations from the system. Whereas like in the postseason for sure, it was like the system didn't work and it felt like the Bucks had no no recourse, no second punch is the way I've been putting it. It feels like they've got a little bit more. I mean, the this Christmas Day game against the Sixers was not ideal, but the rest of the year, it has felt like they've had more stuff to do at least. And I do wonder how, if at all, that's affected that, that uh, score or that rating. Uh, I should be able to pull it up, but for whatever reason, my... Uh spreadsheet just crashed on me we're doing so much we're, you're using so many numbers <laughs> i'm not sure exactly what one oh these google spreadsheets just does things sometimes where they have these uh these internal errors where they they just don't pop stuff up all right i do not have an answer for you i would love to let you know later how it sure. compares to this year um but i can echo the thoughts that the two of you have shared around lacking that second punch in inability to adjust um i think the warriors coaching staff is similar in that yeah, yeah. from an adjustment standpoint where when the warriors do what they like to do and they have their full healthy roster they're very very good at it but the second you take away a key player or you do anything creative defensively they don't have the counter for it and that is such a big part of basketball and being talented is is still king 
but you need to put your players in the best position to succeed. And I like to look at offensive scheme as like, which weapon are you giving your fighter in, in, in the, the combat? So you can have Navy SEALs out there, but if you're, you're handing them baseball bats and they're going into a gunfight, it's, it's still not setting them up to succeed. Hmm. Good analogy. So uh, certainly agree, I would guess, without, without looking, Nick Nurse probably is going to rate on the higher end of uh of coaches i know it's a smaller sample but it seems like that's really been his strength yep is yeah is just very very high if not the highest and he i think third highest defensively offensively i believe he was number one or number two in that season absolutely makes sense because they were just tremendously coached all year so quickly i know we're running a little long there's one more player i'm pointed out i wanted to ask about and you know part of me wants to sit here and go please just tell us all the 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 player grades for all of the Bucks players, but that feels unfair. I mean, if, if you really want to know, and you should after listening to this, go go check it out. Go throw down the Fiverr. Deprive yourself of Starbucks for one day and probably save a dollar or two because Starbucks is expensive. And check this, stu- check this stuff out yourself. But I want to know about Dante DiVincenzo, uh, who it feels like has been coming into his own really in the last month or so, all season long, a guy I didn't truly believe was going to be this good this fast or maybe even ever. Uh, he's been outrageous in my opinion. So I got to know how the uh, the system specifically looks at his talent. I know overall he's rated pretty highly. Yeah, overall he's rated pretty highly. We talked about the impact being high compared to all players. His grades are a bit better than versus, you know, having a filter in there i'll give you the versus everybody grades first because they sound the best um he has a b minus perimeter shooting an a off ball movement so really good cutter really good shooting off of screens an a minus one-on-one grade uh b finishing b plus roll gravity which for a player like him and the role he has that could be kind of finicky with with volume um a minus playmaking uh, C post play, and then he has an A perimeter defensive uh, grade, B interior defense, B plus offensive rebounding, and a B minus defensive rebounding. When we filter against, should we do by a position or just everybody? Um, position, I guess, like just, I don't even know what to call him really, you know, kind of an off ball wing, I guess. Yeah. He might be, we might have him categorized as like a spot up wing. He is a yeah, I guess that works. Oh, he's a glue guy actually, which is oh, not, not, probably not the best role. Oh, and yeah, our data says that's not the best role for him. Um, <laughs> but I'll plug him in against glue guys. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say he's I'd say he's kind of a glue guy. And I will say these uh, the offensive roles. While well, this is updating, the offensive roles relate to your synergy play type usage. Um, so you know how much pick and roll you're running versus shooting off of screens versus. Uh, all kinds of different things. Yeah, cutting, I'm sure, is going to be a huge one for Dante, who does a lot of that spot-up shooting, cutting, that kind of stuff is really, I feel like, and transition is a lot of what he does. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. My computer, I have so many tabs open right now. My computer's <laughs> issues. Probably our bad. Let's see if it loads. <laughs> if not, I mean, we'll, we can just take the first numbers, which are going to be even better, and, and bandy them about recklessly, as, as I'm sure we'll do anyway. That's I'd say that's a good way to go. Um, and again, like you said, if anybody's interested in the other ones, they can just uh, go. Oh, and, and other people are fighting me in the document right now. There are four different people currently in the same document I am changing around the grades. Nice. Um, so, yeah, Dante grades out very well, especially for his age at his position. Um, one thing that we're able to do with these grades is we've calculated expected growth rates for every single grade based off of your position and based off of how old you are. So we can also say for Dante or for Chris or for whoever, plug their name in and it'll say, hey, this is how good we think this player will be in one, two, three, four, five years. Interesting. Very, very cool stuff there. So certainly looking forward to playing with this more myself. Um, One last one before we get out of here. Uh, I know... Cranjus, uh, you are a Lakers guy, correct? Yes. Are we going to see a Bucks Lakers finals, and who would you give the edge to in that series were it to happen? Ooh, I would love to see that. Um, I am a Laker fan. I am also maybe it's because of my data background. I am I am willing to admit that the Bucks have been the better team so far this season. Um, they've played like a better team. Our data reflects that. I think they have 
a deeper rotation of, of strong role players that are just good. The Lakers have a lot of guys who are good at a couple things and they're just trying to optimize them really well. Um, I would say that, oh God, I like, <laughs> I, I think Anthony Davis gives the Lakers a chance to match up with Giannis and the Bucks better than a lot of teams do. I, I, if I'm picking a Laker defender to guard him, I'm going to pick Anthony Davis, um, who has defended Kawhi, Paul George. He's he's gone after some of the those wings, um, and and I think Giannis will still have the edge pretty much over anybody. But I like that matchup a bit, and I also like having the flexibility to put like a JaVale McGee or or a Dwight Howard or even LeBron James guarding someone like Brook Lopez and take my chances there. I would say that the Bucks should still have an edge, um, but I don't really want to bet against LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. So I don't know. I think it would be close regardless. I think those are clearly the best two teams in the NBA. Um, the Bucks have been better so far. We still have a chance for trades, for buyout guys. The Lakers probably need to add a little bit, um, but I'll, I'll say Milwaukee in like seven. Ooh, Ooh, it might be pandering, but we will absolutely take it. <laughs> it might be pandering. Please please don't send this to Laker fans. <laughs> oh, um, I guess that I know Rohan's itching to, to do the outro as he does so well, but I, I want to just give another chance. If you have any more plugs to make, sir, please, by all means, let the people know where they can find you and, and anything else that, that, uh, that you'd want you know the, the good people, the good Eurostep listening community to, to know about. Sure. Yeah, so follow me on Twitter. Um, you can find, if you just Google Crandis McBasketball, which is a name that I, it's not my real name, by the way. My name is Tim. I stole the name. <laughs> it's a bit from the show Impractical Jokers, which is my favorite TV show. Um, and when my Twitter became big, that was my name at the time. And I decided, all right, I, I guess I have to stick with it for the brand. But if you Google Crandis McBasketball, I think I'm the first thing that pops up now instead of the TV show I stole it from. Um, so you can look at me that way oh, or on flex. Twitter, I'm Tim underscore MBA. Uh, you can follow our site at the underscore b-ball underscore index or just look at b-ball index. We have tweets every single day. Um, we'll tweet out PIPM data for different teams. We have cool graphics. We'll be tweeting out stuff about the grades, optimization ratings. It's lots of good content constantly being churned out by our social media team. Uh, go check out that $5 data and tools package. You can look at the gravity data, the grades, the PIPM stuff, the luck adjusted lineup stuff. There's just so many things you can see, the, the optimization stuff with the coaching staffs. Um, we've looked at player development ratings by coaching staffs. So there's just a ton in there, and we're also constantly adding to it. So we have G League data. We have international PIPM data. We have a ton of college stuff in there. Um, 28 different spreadsheets, three apps, all for 5 bucks. So check that out. Uh, listen, to, if, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, we have a podcast that we do. Um, the first like six or seven episodes are pretty much breaking down one at a time or two at a time the different player grades that we have and the different stats that we have. So if you want a primer on, hey, you know what, how do you calculate your perimeter defensive grade or your interior defensive grade? Go listen to those podcasts. Um, they're pretty much evergreen, not really time specific. So check those out. But we also are continuing to produce those, having great guests on, talking basketball through a data lens. Um, so follow me, follow the site, give us your five dollars. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, even I'd be willing to. I don't know how I get in, but if I could uh, get in the Discord and do a little Q and A, if people are interested in this sort of stuff and have questions about how it's calculated, I'd be willing to to do something like that just to help the community become more familiar with it. Um, and I, I think that's it. I've plugged quite a lot. Thank you, guys. Oh, that is fan. Thank you. And this is uh, we love having guests illustrious as yourself on the podcast. And thank you. We will. Uh, that's a good idea for the Discord thing. We'll make sure to get you in there, of course. Uh, but if any of you listening want to get into the Discord, where we've been patiently waiting and being super excited for this podcast to happen, and just talking just bucks in general, NBA stuff in general, uh, just tweet me or tie a picture of you listening to the podcast, and we'll make sure to get you in. Um, once again, like. Follow everything Tim does. Uh, pay the $5. You got to support your data creators. You just got to su support people doing things that you enjoy. You know? like put money, If you like it, give the, give the man some money. Uh, 
and you're you're really going to get good use about out of it. Um, follow every podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network, including this one. I mean, obviously you're listening to this one, but including the B Ball Index Pod, all of the pods across the network, they're all fantastic. I can attest to that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep. If you really did enjoy, tell people about it. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your podcast platform of choice by rating and reviewing. Uh, other than that, uh, we enjoyed talking to you this episode and we will catch you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com